Hello, and welcome back to the Calculated Absurdity Podcast with your hosts, Peter, Elias, and Tom. You can listen to a new episode every Wednesday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. What's going on, guys? <clears throat> Nothing. Cut water is very strong. Water, good. Did the rain do something to your house? No, 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 no. It's it's a it's a drink. It's called cut water. It's a canned cocktail. Oh, like Fun. the uh, liquid death. Uh, What's in it? So what we got was the, wait, hold on, wait, 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 Tom. You, did you say that was liquid like a, death is water water? Yeah. Did you know that? I know that liquid death is water water. But what did you just say? You I just said, said cut water, it's canned water. I know. You I said it's a canned, canned cocktail. Yeah. There's oh. a big difference there, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I just had to bring that to attention. Yeah. I'm like, hold on a second. <laughs> no, I know liquid death is water water. I thought you were drinking canned water is what you said. No, the drink is, or the brand is called Cut Water, C-U-T. Uh, so what's in it? So we got the variety pack of the margarita, uh, 12 six-ounce cans, and the cans range from 10 to 12.5%. Wow. <laughs> Yikes. Like wine. What what's it called? Cut cut water? Yeah, cut water. Ooh. I drank one and I looked to Amanda yesterday and I'm like, I think I'm kinda drunk. <laughs> yeah, man. Wow. And the craziest thing, they make regular size canned ones. And I'm like, dude, you drink one of these, you're good for the fucking night. Like, holy shit. You know what? Tall I think boys. They, I feel like I may have drank one of these, but I didn't like it. It was a lime margarita one. It's like, hold on. Are, are there tiny cans of this? Is that what you said? Yes. Cut water spirits. Oh, maybe I haven't had this one. Not gonna lie, some of these pre-mixed cocktail cans taste like shit. Oh, I've seen these boxes out there. I don't I'm out of the game right had, now, though. so I don't know what any of these taste like. I thought that the lime and pineapple ones were pretty good. Amanda was sticking to the strawberry. Um, oh, there's ew. I wouldn't doubt it. I, I bet mule. those are pretty good. Yeah, they have canned like oh. whiskey drinks. Canned Bloody Mary. Yeah, apparently Wait, the Mai Tai is super popular, and that's also twelve and a half fucking percent. Okay, this is the thing that I had. This tip top. It's like a tiny, tiny can. It's just like. Oh. You know what? Mix it with water or mix it with ice. Make a nice drink. Tasted it. Horrible. I I, I couldn't take a second sip. I just dumped it. It was terrible. Dang. Just to put the, the rest of this conversation to rest so we can get to the main topic. Eli, I suggest you go yeah. out there and find the margarita variety pack. I will. And Is it Benny's? I, I assume Benny's. Uh, probably we has got it. ours at Target's, but I assume Benny's had it. <laughs> Target. Oh, but shit. it's 12 six ounce cans. You've been drinking more frequently than Tom or I have over the time. You get a Paloma. I would very heavily give you a word of warning. You will get pretty saucy pretty fucking quick. I'm uh, yeah. I'm I'm gonna get the Paloma. Oh wait, that's only seven percent. You had a margarita. Yeah. Oh, these are different. Mm-hmm. Okay, I see. They're all different. Peppermint white Russian. Ew. Dude, they have espresso martini, and it's 13 fucking percent. Wow. (laughs) Okay, 
Wow. They're the main topic. <laughs> yeah, that's me. W- well, my topic, I guess, is a synopsis of me going down a rabbit hole on uh, coronal mass ejections, which is a expulsion of plasma and magnetic field from the sun's corona. Uh, basically, it looks like an explosion from the sun. And I didn't realize all the effects that that leads to. And I also didn't know that there's such a thing as space weather. Yeah. Which is basically the result of, of the sun these happening. Things. Yeah, the sun. Speaking speaking of uh, the explosion, have you seen the like videos that show the scale? Of, like how big these yeah. things are? N- no. I've seen a yeah. zoomed out version of like one of these, you know, Sometimes it looks like the- fireworks in the, the way the video is taken. Yeah, there's some videos. There's some videos that show the explosion taking place, and then they're like, "Yeah, by the way, there's like five Earths here." Yeah. So, like to to put it in perspective, first, like the size of the sun in diameter is about eight hundred sixty-five thousand miles. Okay, diameter. So one of these um, coronal mass ejections or coronal loop or solar flare that you can see shoot off of the sun is probably like a couple thousand miles like Jeez. just perspective wise <laughs> i guess i was trying to figure out i was trying to figure out a good way to to note the difference between those cmes <laughs> and the solar flares and really somebody just said that it's it's kind of like the square rectangle like you can have one without the other um or both at the same time, mm-hmm. um, but the the solar flare is is more of a rapid burst mm-hmm. that travels at the speed of light, and it reaches Earth at just over eight minutes. Um, but the CME is the thing that you have more, to be more afraid takes its of. Time, yeah. So I would suggest you think about it like this, right? The solar flare is the sun farting. Okay. Because it's just like quick or whatever. And then like the CME is like, I guess just like an actual bowel movement. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. It's more powerful and it takes a minute. It's like when the earth, you know, lets out the fart. But that that last one was very risky and you get the CME. (laughs) All right, so a fart or a shart? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. All right. Don't trust it. Don't trust it. <laughs> Which is where you're going with it, right? Which is pretty much where I'm going with it. Yeah, I mean, I have a bunch of different little side branches of this that I didn't that I didn't fully understand as I was reading it, so I kind of just dove into definitions. It might be just myself that doesn't understand these. Um, but... When anybody is being asked about these, anybody of knowledge, they the question always comes back to, hey, how afraid of these things do we have to be? Because if this is basically, an, if it can lead to an electromagnetic storm that every once in a while is directed at Earth, because these CMEs occur, uh, they, they vary from the solar cycle. I guess every, I think it's 11 years there's is, is a solar cycle and we're currently in the 25th uh since they've begun keeping track of these so any data off of this is based off those 25 cycles um 
it's in its strongest because it's about halfway through the cycle right about now. I guess it started in 2019. It'll go on for the next two years, they're saying, or like it kind of ramped up to right now. And there could be two to five of these a day. But because it's on the surface of the sun, it could go in any direction. It's not always directed at Earth. The doomsday theory is that if there is one strong enough directed at Earth and it causes an electromagnetic storm big enough, it could wipe out power grids on Earth, um, likely whichever side is facing the sun at that time. And then the, the, the question becomes, like, is it, is it so far-fetched or is it theoretically possible? And the answer is theoretically possible, but they have not seen anything in the 25 cycles that would show that it is imminent. And then the from the doomsday point of view, it's what do you think would happen if all power gets knocked out? And I guess the caveat to that is your answer has to include how long it's getting knocked out for. Because if it's only for two months, I don't, I don't know that it would have really... Well, serious effects to, you know. Well, I feel like the a good question that I, I don't know the answer to this is like, how would you even prevent everything from going out? You would have to see it coming, and you we have what, like at least a day to figure out that something is coming. You'd have to. Wait, would case, we just like power everything down? Shutting everything off will protect it to uh, some degree, right? But like, depending on how strong it is, I would imagine capacitors and transistors would pop to a point anything that gives off some kind of electrical field will immediately short and if we only have a day and if we want to protect things like you'd have to encase it in concrete or lead or or like bury it underground a certain distance i mean i think on the grand scale it depends on how strong of a i'll call it a pulse it will be did you know that we had a it's called uh, the the acronym is uh, Discover the Deep Space Climate Observatory. It it's a alien sa- spacecraft satellite, I guess you would call it. But but it's it's about a million miles away from the Earth. It's about halfway from the Earth to Sun. They say. I think it's yeah. And all it does is what it watches to. the Sun, right? All it does is watch the sun and report back. Yep. But it says it could give like 15 to 60 minute advance warning before a magnetic storm or before it, when it starts sensing like that magnetic field getting disrupted. That's cool. When was it launched? 2015. There's actually oh. a plan to replace it. Uh, I have that too, but that would take me a second to go back and find. Um, but there is a there is a plan to send up, I think, two new from uh noaa another acronym yeah. not no national oceanic and atmospheric administration so tom your initial question was like how long how long everything we be taken out for and how, how long it would take for us to just kind of bring all of our systems back up that you're in yeah i guess i thought I, th- I guess i thought we could go small scale to large scale i mean from something like this that is likely to happen and what do we think would be the the side effect whether i mean mostly to the economy right i mean if there's, I, if there's damage yeah. to power grids and everything um and we rely so much on electricity and being connected um i would i would imagine our government has something in place to 
like put this in check because we had a really bad one what like a couple decades ago right uh i don't recall wasn't there one that was like really bad that hit uh was it like either in the 1900s or 1800s i don't remember uh did we have one dad i don't know. yeah there there was there was one that did hit us let me look it up there's a there's a watch and a warning out right now because of one of these CMEs went off, I think, on Thursday, and they said it was the largest solar flare oh. since 2017, and that put out a weather watch, and it put out a warning, but it also, you know, on the lighthearted side of things said, yeah, the northern lights, you can probably see them as far south as central California. Uh, the, the one that I was talking about was Carrington event, 1859. I'm seeing a more recent one. There was one that occurred in 18, uh, sorry, 1989, which struck Earth four days later uh, and caused power failures in Quebec and shortwave radio interference. They say that's the first to go is the, the high-frequency radio. Uh, well... AM's more important anyway, right? (laughs) (laughs) I guess there was one that went that messed up um, the launch of a couple satellites. Or if not the launch, then they lost track of them for a bit, um, not long after being sent up. (laughs) Speaking of fun fact, do you guys remember that that satellite or space... Uh, space shuttle like piece of technology that was affected by like a single electron do you, do you guys remember that or heard of that yeah there was like there was like some massive investigation because a piece of electronics like failed horribly and they're just like what the hell happened and they basically pinpointed it down to the electron of i, I think a transistor or something and it caused the electron to like shift from like a zero to a one or one or the other and it, and it just screwed everything up and it was because of like some type of radiation that like hit it or something or like some some piece of radioactive like electron that just like went through and then changed like the electronic output of like one single like Jeez. transistor or something it was <laughs> i'm going to look that up that was interesting but sorry sidetrack that was just a it reminded me of that i see i see that carrington event here there's this this uh, article says that event of that magnitude in today's society could potentially disable global power grids, GPS, communications, uh-huh. and aviation systems. Yeah. And it would probably be longer for a than two months, depending on legitimately how severe the event would be, like the CME, like how strong of a, again, I'm going to be calling it a pulse, how strong that actually is. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of, and that's why that Discover satellite was sent up, right? Because we're so technologically forward now compared to back then for that Carrington event. Because if this were to occur, as you stated, like it would honestly be catastrophic. Like global infrastructure would shut down for an undetermined amount of time. There would be a shit ton of chaos. Um, like, you wouldn't be able to use the phone. Like, landline or cellular, you wouldn't be able to use. Internet would be down. Power, to some degree, would be down. Major cities, mostly, likely. 
Um, any kind of radar systems would be completely down. Navigation, like GPS, probably would be down. Uh, this this here's this here's saying that a, a geomagnetic storm disabled electric power grids and collateral impacts could potentially result in economic and societal costs of up to two trillion dollars uh, for an extremely large storm, and then the full recovery would take four to ten years. Yeah. It's literally a event that would set us back, God, 50 years, something like that, more than likely, in terms of like tech, like usage of technology and everything. Like modern cars would have issues because of all the electronics and stuff in them. Like you, the only things that would be running would be stuff built in the 70s, 80s, <laughs> tractors, <laughs> old school ones. They're saying that because so that that Discover um, Observatory that wasn't engineered to be up there as long as it has been, and they are working on sending up replacements, but they're anticipating there's a chance of a gap in the continuity for getting that what those weather updates. I mean, to be fair, nothing we send up into space is intended to last as long as it does. I guess, yeah. I mean, the ISS should have been decommissioned forever ago. But we just keep adding upgrades to it. I mean, the one Mars rover lasted multiple years beyond the expected life uh, span of itself. The current one is expected to go for a while, too, now based off of the previous one's lifespan. So this 11-year cycle that the sun goes through it's every 11 years or over the course of that 11 years the sun the sun's magnetic field completely flips meaning that uh, so it says new meaning the north and south pole switch places and then it takes about another 11 years for it to flip back do you have any idea why at the halfway point of something like that happening would be why there's so many of these CMEs. I thought it was longer than 11 years, but I might be thinking of the Earth's magnetic polarity. It's it's longer than 11 for the Earth because that is another that's like kind of a doomsday thing that I was of years, seeing, isn't it? Yeah, 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 that's another doomsday thing that I was saying is that the Earth ha- should have the same the same flip but hasn't and is due. Eh, it's due do you, do you within think... plus minus like 2,000 years or something. Yes. Well, what, what, what causes a magnet shift? Because, I mean, like I, I wonder if like the uh, if temperatures on the Earth can affect the magnetic field. I think, I think you're correct in that. Part of it is orbit tilt of the planet and everything too like the the most recent tilt that we documented for the earth in terms of its orbit kind of pulled forward the um polarity flip but like by like a couple hundred years or something like again it's all like speculative because like we haven't been on the planet long enough to experience one as a species um 
but I I don't think I've ever read anything and like in detail regarding this Tom in terms of like why it flares up so much when it's flipping its polarity the only thing that I can picture in my head is instead of doing like a rotational shift it's more of a like squeeze pinch kind of a thing so like think about it like this um it's kind of bypassing the north and south are going towards the middle to flip instead of like rotating around the sun so because it's doing that it's probably like squeezing it out towards the middle like that's what Sorry. popped in my head but i don't that's probably not accurate um can can we backtrack a little bit i'm a little lost on what we're talking about so the the sun has a cycle where it's magnetic poles flip every 11 years is it is it every 11 or does it change Ele 11 or so but roughly uh, every uh. 11 years okay so it says that when the sun's polar magnetic fields are weakened and replaced with the new field of the opposite polarity it'll it'll switch and that reversal it says is driven by sunspots the magnetically complex structures that create active regions where flares and other solar events originate so I, st I don't exactly get where the sunspots, I guess, come from, but they say that the sunspots are the strongest at about the halfway point in the middle of the cycle, and that's the solar maxima, and that's when you get more of those solar flares and those CMEs, but I can't really find anything or I can't conceptualize why at that halfway mark it would be there would be more of these flares or CMEs. Mm. I like Peter's idea of it and that makes sense to me um so i'm i'm gonna continue to move forward with that but i don't see anything in this bit of googling so i was throwing it out there to see if anybody had any ideas you know it, it's kind of interesting that you say every 11 years or whatever i feel like i don't i can't remember what i was looking at but every there was something that i noticed that every 10 years actually happened and i think it was with our economy let me. Now you're just bringing in like Mars is in retrograde. Yeah, I'm getting into bullshit. some like weird shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mercury's in retrograde again, guys. Everyone's gonna it, be in a oh, bad mood. It was. Uh, oh well, this is unemployment rate. <laughs> but, Swings I mean, to the solar cycle. It's happening. So like there was like a. So there was a dip around like 1990, and then there's a dip in 2000, and a dip in like 2008. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I mean, it's probably some bullshit correlation, but I don't know. I think that's peculiar. I when you said that, you're just to me, you're just kind of pulling the uh, the plot line of number 28 or 23. Forward, I mean, where it's you kind of just start seeing association to that yeah. thing right oh it is like it is interesting though it's like cyclical in a similar pattern oh i like of. this hold on i'm gonna send you guys this yeah i can't honestly find anything in terms of research papers or anything like that in regards to why the midpoint of the like cycle so to open this link that i just sent from um the Center for Science Education, it's called uh, Magnetic Field Lines Tangle as Sun Rotates. And it basically, it reiterates the sun is not a solid. It's a huge sphere of plasma and behaves like a gigantic ball of gas. And different parts of the sun rotate at different rates. 
So the sun rotates more quickly at the equator than at the poles. And the animation in the video shows the different rates of rotation between the sun's equator and the poles. At the start of the animation, the magnetic ah. field lines come from the sun are smooth and orderly. Over time, the sun's differential rotation rates cause a magnetic field to become twisted and tangled. The tangles in the magnetic field lines can produce very, very strong localized magnetic fields. The place where ropes of bundled field lines break the surface of the sun are active regions where sunspots form. The active regions are often a generate uh, solar storms or solar flares or CMEs. So I wasn't too far off. No. I Instead of going from like the, the north and south pole, it's, it's starting from the middle, from the yeah. equator. Oh, look at me. <laughs> Being an <Good> engineer. <laughs> Just considering laws of physics. <laughs> So it's yeah it's, it reiterates again here that um, when it gets really twisted, uh, there's lots of sunspots and those times are at the peaks of the eleven year cycle. So it would be uh. so that would be the half cycle essentially, right? Because the yes. full cycle is twenty two years, right? For it to get back to its base polarity that we're aware of, from what I was reading. Uh, yes. Yeah, so 11, 11 is year cycles. Yeah, yeah, an 11 year is for it to flip north to south, south to north, whatever. But then Oh yeah, for it to come back around is yeah. what they're calling yeah, it's two cycles as they're calling it. So yeah, 22 years. The and the, the two complete cycles is called a hail cycle from what I'm reading too. Cool. So what happens when it when it uh sharts? It it just goes back to normal and slows everything down. Or like levels out. When it shards, that would be the potential of disaster for us, depending on how bad the shard is. Right. So it starts all over again. Uh huh. So basically, in that turbulence of it sharding and farting, if there is a strong enough shard, it could disrupt the entire. Electro- in the direction of Earth. In the direction of Earth, very specific too. Like in all of three-dimensional space, if it can hit Earth whichever face of the earth that is hit by it will just completely shut down. Huh. And then it'll happen again in another 11 years, potentially. Well, yeah, it, that's the other part, is that it would have to be somewhere in the in the range of the middle of that 11-year cycle is when it's at its strongest. But it would also have to be like the perfect storm. Yeah. Uh, because we've been going through this for 25 cycles Documented. We've been documenting it for 25 cycles, and the couple that have, it's maybe like, I don't know, not much, one in 20 of the ones that even make it in the direction of Earth are nowhere near that size. Yeah, they've just been light crop dusting. Or light shards. Yeah. And they've still, they've the still caused issues. But the good side of it is you get to see the northern lights across more of the surface of the planet. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it makes <laughs> sense, though, that you mentioned the Canada before of having been hit by the electromagnetic storm. Because that is where they say to go for the best view of the northern lights. Yeah. Outside of a magnetic storm. To the north. <laughs> Yeah, but I always thought that you had to go, I don't know, they're saying that, like, just over the border 
to the I always thought you had to go north north, way north. Yeah, I always associated the In northern lights with, with like Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. What would that Apparently be? Apparently not so. The latitude? Like there's a specific latitude that it ties to because longitude is like the north to south way, right? If you guys, if you fly through the northern lights, do you, are you going to get hit by a bunch of radiation? I think it depends on the altitude you're at. I think well, it, like, it's a well, risk. Well, let's just say though. if you fly right through it. The middle of it? Uh, yeah, let's just say there's a clump of, you know, these gases that are getting excited. Like if you just flew through that. Let's find out. Yeah. Like, yeah, here we go. While we're at, while we're like it looks so stuff. beautiful, but I'm kind of like I when you find out what it actually is. Okay. <laughs> immediate find is uh, auroras occur 60 to 300 miles above the ground, and planes cannot fly through them. Oh, oh! Does the electronics fail? Well, like they just because they're so high up, right? 60 to 300 miles. It also says that they themselves we have, they, we have they emit, they emit no radiation. Height? I mean, it would be mostly spacecraft that would be flying that high. Yeah. So, what if we did that? Uh, I'm seeing mostly that it's generally not an issue. Um, but someone is saying that high-altitude flights, like those taken by U-2 pilots, have to be careful about radiation with ionospheric storms and bursts of charged particles can cause drag and cause drag on satellites. So it's I, I the auroras I think is more of just like a high burst of potential like radiation in the form yeah. of visible light. So on it might I don't think it would affect. Oh, the, so the aurora is the or something. Uh, so yeah, not the lights. The lights themselves don't have any. Yeah. So the lights are a re, are a reaction to. It's a visible reaction to the atmosphere. To yeah, to the Earth's magnetic field. They're caused by the energetic electrons colliding with oxygen and nitrogen molecules in the atmosphere. So no, it's basically just. Yeah. So the lights themselves uh, are fading. projection of whatever is happening above the atmosphere, right? So if we were. If you took a line that followed the pattern of the auroras and you drew them straight up into space and you flew through those, I still don't think in terms of electronics anything would happen. I think individuals would be subjected to a little bit higher radiation and might have to get like checked out or monitored for a little bit longer, but I don't think anything bad necessarily would come from it. It did say that any astronauts that are out and about on an external mission, got to get that heads up on solar flares and the CMEs to get inside. For yeah, just a high blast of radiation. Radiation, yeah, yeah. Isn't that what Fantastic Four was? Yeah, based on. Yeah, yeah. All right, we we squeezed a little movie talk in there. Every time, all the time. Every time. All right, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please help us out by giving us a like, subscribe, rate, or review. And if you want to contact us, you can do so by emailing calculatedabsurdity at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.